0: Hello and welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. Skylar Hoke is here. Tom Jacobs is joining me as always. Tom, how are we doing?
1: Yeah, good. Yeah. A um, bit of a tough week last week, I'd say, betting-wise. Um, we obviously had a couple of uh, disappointing results ourselves as well. Um, but, I mean, you should have posted an e for you, right? It was, was it double bogey or triple bogey in the par 5 that that cost you?
0: Yeah, I think he lost three strokes in the final three holes. Yeah. Um, the fact that you're getting somebody who I view as potentially the market leader with an albatross in the week and does not hit the frame was a little bit frustrating. Uh, Thurston Lawrence, um, he had a shot too. I mean, yeah. I guess all aside, none of these guys had a chance at winning from no, how well Matt Baldwin it, played. Matter. So. Uh, good afternoon. That, that was really Incredible. good to see.
1: Yeah, like it, like we we do see these stories from time to time um, where you remember why we we loved the DP World Tour and why you know I think it was probably Richard Bland was probably one of them recently where perennially didn't get over the line. I think Matthew Baldwin has had a couple of illnesses and injuries and things like that, that he's not been able to really make a run of it since turning pro and um, you know ten years is a long time in golf to to not win anything or maybe even slightly longer than that. So um the fact that he's come back and done this at the ripe old age of 37 suggests and just the way he did it right like it Was was it six strokes at the end um could have been probably seven or eight as well just uh just probably battling out down the stretch so yeah re- really good for him
0: yeah one by touchdown seven strokes and um i, I think it was uh, was it michael verity uh, somebody posted a thread walking through that the illness but also that basically said that he was at a point in life that he wanted to maybe settle down a little bit more with his girlfriend and, and move forward with their life. And he had one more year of status on the Challenge Tour um, and said, okay, I'll give this a go. If it doesn't go my way, I'm out of golf. And turns that into a DP World Tour card, turns that into a win, right? It's uh, life-changing,
1: absolutely. I think the, the problem is, guys, that we've we probably mentioned this a couple of times now on the show this season. Like, it's so hard even to make a living. It's not hard to make a living, right? But like, it's hard to... Retro, you know, respectively, in golf make a living on the dp world tour like you have to really be on the PJ tour now to or the other one to to really make financial gains so um you know bastling it out on that challenge tour last year i think he, he put in his instagram post that you know he had to finish top 20 that was his goal um on the challenge Tour to get back to the dp world tour and look he's won and um is it going to be a flash in the pan potentially but It doesn't matter, right? That's his status for the next couple of years, and and he'll always have that week. No one can take it away from him.
0: Yep, absolutely. Um, We stay in South Africa for another event here. We have just this event um, simultaneously the match play is going. A little disappointed in the match play field because we don't get our our standard DP World Tour guys. Um, I guess what, you have Fox and Minwoo and Moronk are all playing, so excited for those those guys.
1: but Perez if uh, we count. Them. Perez.
0: Yes. Yep. Um and then also um we roll right into the masters, right? Two weeks from now. So we won't have a DP World Tour show until the week after the Masters, I believe. We have a stretch of um new events to the to the Euro, to Euro Tour. So this will be our only show for the next basically month. Um so just wanted to preface that as we close out. But I'm excited. I, I like We talk about these type of events, these type of fields, when you get into South Africa with the Sunshine Coast Sanction, the Johnson Workwear Open, what we have this week ahead of us, Tom. Do you have any initial thoughts as we lean in?
1: So I think my initial thought was last week I went a bit too South African heavy, uh, would be the first thing I'd say. I think I was just so keen on, like, because it was a Lynx event in South Africa where they'd all played before, um a couple of times really i just i just felt like they would have that advantage they didn't And i think this time i've kind of diversified on that sort of respond yeah responded to what i did last week by by picking some more you know european type players um because i certainly think it's a more resort style course it's another jack nicholas course i think it's another resort course that's got some water on it but i don't think it's really going to be much of a you know difficulty it's got bunkers everywhere but uh, last year, Sean Norris won at 25 under uh, the Stein City Championship, which was hosted here. So it's going to be a low-scoring affair, a bit more of a resort course. I, I typically think of something like a Raz Al-Kaimah type of championship event um, is something that we could probably expect this week. And yes, there may be a little bit of South African um, flair to it, if you like. But overall, I think it's just going to be one of those kind of resort courses. Yeah,
0: what I think was interesting the most to me is when you look at the leaderboards. Um You know, I mean, Sean Norris was the winner. He putted the lights out last year, Yeah. but um, there was conditions. I believe it was pretty damp, um, which may factor in, but you had the literal longest hitters in the field all performing, right? Burmester, Matty Schmidt, Tapio. Um, You had Thurston Lawrence was decent. You had Wilco up there. James Hart Dupreece was up there. uh, Almost, I think the first round leader or rate, right in the mix of it. I mean, Nicholas norgaard Mueller also played well. Like Anybody who could whack it had a shot here. Now, that's still the angle I'm leaning. Um, this week, for me, at least, it's kind of a tiebreaker. Guys, I'm attacking. I know uh, our friend Ben Coley kind of wrote into that as we're going after it, and it'll make a lot of sense with some of the selections uh, the industry is on. But I'm, I'm going with that same avenue because, to me, I don't want to sound harsh But I have been harsher on Wilco over times because, like, you know, he gets uh, publicity for his driving skill, but potentially not the rest of his game. And if he's able to show up at courses along with James Hart Dupree, who is somebody who is of lesser skill than Wilco, um, that is such an angle, in my opinion, when you get those two up there both playing well, because it's not typical weeks that we're seeing them on the leaderboards.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's to your point. Like I think with with someone like uh, Nino, you, you expect him to be there more often than he is, and he hasn't found it consistently. Should but certainly with Dupree, there's a certain level of there's a certain type of event that he can excel in, um, and you know when he does, it, it's very obvious as to why. So. Um yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with going with that with that strategy. I think certainly the, the only evidence we have so far is that that's the way we should go. I think the only slight reservation I would have is that it's only one year, so we don't have um too much to go on. And that's why I've kind of devised about it a little bit. But I certainly agree that based on what we know, and that's all we can go with, that the longer hits it should prosper. Yeah.
0: yeah absolutely. Uh we're gonna kinda I don't want to say sprint, but we'll have a quicker show today walking through um, selections. And I'll make sure to give a shout out to all of those that use our uh, audio formats. Um, you can find us on Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets, The Mix, um, Mayo Media Network supporting us across all platforms. So we're very thankful for the support and love, rating, reviews, subscribe. Um, you know, goes a long way for us. Again, this, again, last show for basically a month as the DP World Tour takes a break. Um, and then we'll come back with some bigger events then. Um, but let's dive in Tom. Um, so I know for us, we have, I think it's my first selection. I guess it's the second selection, uh, overall on the board, but we do go, um, into the forties for our first court, uh, first selections. I think yours will start with because he was very eye-catching last week. Um, just been a, a steady golfer as can be over the last year. Right. Um, yeah. so, so why you, you land in here with your first pick?
1: Yeah, so Matthew Pavon, I think he's slightly under 40-1. I think 35-1 to, 90, 35 to might be the best price. But he was 9th, uh, 6th, 33rd and 8th in his last four starts. And when I look at it, like the 33rd as well could have been a lot better. He was 9th at the halfway stage and 11th still going into Sunday. And when you look at last week, he was 2nd in ball striking. And that, that came from being 15th in driving accuracy, 6th in distance and 2nd in greens and regulations, which is exactly what you want. Um, last year, he was only 48th here, but he was 21st at the halfway stage. And last week, he started with a 73, but then finished 69, 68, 67, uh, which is a really progressive form. And just like driving skill, just as I mentioned earlier, and it was purposeful, I mentioned it and dropped it in there, like Raz Alkaimers right up his street, Portugal Masters right up his street. And that's the kind of event I expect. One of those really resort-type courses, with plenty of birdies. And I think that's where he's going to get his first win um will it necessarily come in South Africa not sure but I think that's the type of course that will suit him so whilst not the absolute longest I think he's plenty long enough to succeed in this type of lineup
0: yeah I didn't want to pigeonhole just to you know the only bombers but I think distance is definitely uh part of the repertoire you're going to yeah. need um and that's kind of why I landed on someone that I view similar I guess I think Pavana view, view with uh maybe a level of consistency um more and deserving but forty to one strong price there and it's where I begin to and, and I'm landed on Sammy Balamaki. Um, you know, it's been, I would say, difficult to leave off the card over the last few months because his numbers have kind of floated in this range. I was talking to Bear Off at Axis this morning. Um, you know, regarding Sammy and and it just feels results not even results aside because the results are there but like you look at it right at the halfway point last week he's sitting inside the top 10 goes out 74 80 on the weekend he was 22nd or he had yeah 22nd in the event before that uh where he was the first round leader and then he was 11th through 54 holes he had a second the week before in thailand where he was basically inside that top six the entire event if you look back even longer, right, you go into the Abu Dhabi. So we have a, a Rolex event. He's top five through the first round, right? He, he was uh, battling with Bradbury when it looked um, to get that win early in the year in South Africa. In Mauritius, he was the 36-hole leader, 4 through 54 holes, right? There's been a lot of leaderboards with Sammy Valamaki's name on it. And I don't want to call him long. And I don't want to call him the best putter because at times he's not. But he has the upside, I think, that, that parallels with almost anybody in this field. And I, that's why we bet him at, what was it, the Scottish? And he almost, he t 20 the Scottish or was close to it? Uh, big event. I just think big time. Like, I could see a year from now, Sammy Valimaki in the match play. Like, I think that is the type of player he has in him. So I, I'm willing to go uh, to war with him this week.
1: And I think, and firstly, thanks for correcting my Pavon price. That there is actually 40 to one available on him, but but with Valamaki and, and I like the parallels you drew with when you were talking about with Pavon is that Pavon feels a little bit safe and a the consistency there. But I think Valamaki's is 40 to one because he's more volatile and the volatility allows him to win potentially. Well, he obviously has won more than Pavon, but also potentially go on and win again. He has that those kind of spike weeks. I think he can have the kind of type of weeks where he's the best putter in the field for a round. I think he's the type of person that can go and hit, you know, 16 out of 18 fairways and hit it long. You know, he has that spike capability. And I think that's the best thing about Valimaki is that trait. Do I think that he, I think he was maybe slightly overrated before because of the couple of early wins that he got and it's taking some time to figure out. But by the same token, we've seen with Kirk Itayama what those two early wins on the DP World Tour can do when you get into the hunt um, at the PJ tour um you know at, you know at any point he could very easily go to a match play and go and win three four matches um because he's that type of streaky player so i do like valemaki i do think it's a good course for him uh i think he was was he 16th here last year if i remember right or sort yes. something around that um so yeah 16th which i think is absolutely fine and and something good to build on this year because i think he's playing better this time around
0: Definitely excited uh, for him and very excited for our next selection. I think this one seems to be on a handful of betting cards already today. And I think it makes so much sense that Tom McKibben is ready for a breakthrough. Uh, Big opportunity here. Big driver. um, Sell us even more on
1: him. Yeah, so for me, with, with Tom McKibbin, where has he played the best this season? It's been in South Africa. I think we maybe referenced it last week, certainly on the on the Lost of worse things. That, that's just where he's played his best golf so far. And although he wasn't on our betting cards last week, and although nothing actually came of it in the sense that like, we, we feel like we missed out because he didn't place, I do think he's more than capable of doing so. And I just think having that wide open layout, because he is a, probably a longer hitter than he's maybe given credit for at the moment, um, and a, certainly a strength of his game he always gets the kind of comparisons to Rory McIlroy because of where he's from and the golf course he's come from. And I don't think we should necessarily be carried away like that. But by the same token, like they, they draw a lot of parallels in terms of their um, starts, their careers. And, and he's so young and he's shown that he's a little bit green at times. But I think that kind of schooling on the Challenge Tour last week uh, last year was great. Um, and I think the consistency that he showed in South Africa at the start of the season is why I want to go back to him after showing a bit of life again last week.
0: 98th at the first round last week, finishes 18th, 65 in round two, right? You sprinkle in a 25th the week before um, at Kenya, which I didn't think was the best golf course for him. He was the first round leader, right, four events ago um, in Singapore. He was fourth going into the final round. He's just had a lot. It's hard to build a puzzle for these guys, right? Everything is not just so straightforward all of the time. Yeah. And like when you're able to pick out those upside and similar to what we said with Balamaki, I just think McKimmon, uh, possesses that immensely. Um, and that's no shocker to some, and, and maybe others, you might not get that 45 to a one as low of a price there, um, as what it is, but, um, totally understanding of there. And I don't want to miss that, that opportunity.
1: Yeah. I, th- um, I think people have been put off because like he was some really big prices to start off, with, especially last season. I think we would have some like 300, one of things that, but, He's got that bank. He's got that experience from Nashi now. He's got the four or five events in South Africa and Kenya this season now that we know this kind of suits him. So I think we just learned so much more about him. And I actually think, one, he's already ready to win. And two, yes. um, the upside is so much worth the 45 to 1 prices available.
0: That's my first podcast, Nese. I apologize. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. um, but yes, I agree. Now, I, I jumped and I believe we both... When's yours? You're going 55 here. So I'll, I'll hit on a couple golfers. Like Tristan was opening in the numbers. He was like 45s at openings down to 35s. Shorter than last week, probably still maybe in that same consideration of, okay, you just, you know, he, he might be a different tier of a golfer than, than some of these other guys. Um, I don't know. I was disappointed he didn't kick on late. But 66s felt so nice last week that if I if it was 66s again, I'm 100% going yeah. back to him. But I was okay skipping this week. Daniel Van Tonder seems to be catching some light after the Sunday. Decent here last week. Pretty good driver of the golf ball. Not the longest. He gets more credit that he's longer than he really might be. But, I mean, also he hasn't hit the board near as much as, like, like it kind of transitioned to Thriston being that guy when it was DBT in the past. Um, So I, I can absolutely see the argument. I had to whittle the card down to some, so I skipped him. I also considered Xander Lombard, who is just as frustrating as almost anybody out there. I think he makes a lot of sense. Brandon Stone, another one. Like there's, there is this core group of middle South Africans who play up and down DP World Tour Challenge Tour, who have won big events, who are ball strikers, who hit it long. Who I could see absolutely any of them finding their way in. You just kind of either. The course history for Stone and Lombard wasn't there as much for me. Van recent form, even though the Sunday was good, overarching his last 25 starts, only one top 20 finish, right? Um, So I I draw a little bit there. But you're going to the winner of this event last year at this time, who showed some weekend life, I believe it was this past week, uh, Sean Norris, 55 to 1. Yeah, in. so
1: for me, so it was actually I think a different event, wasn't it? It was like the Stein City Championship last year, rather oh, yeah, than yeah, this one, because yeah. yes. I think the last one was Challenge Tour. But like for me, when you see a golfer that's won on the golf course and he shot 25 under, then you look at the fact that he was 10th going into the final round last week. It's almost like almost unavoidable. And I think the only reason, I mean, there is a good reason why people would avoid it. Like he's he's made seven cuts in a row, but not really pulled up any trees but he did shoot a fine around 63 in Kenya to finish 20th. And just that sign, just the fact that he was 10th going into the final round last year, just the fact he's going to come back to a golf course where he shot 2,500 to win last year. I know he was a bit fortunate. I know Dean Burm used to basically throw away the event last year, but for me, Norris at kind of 55 to one, knowing what he can do in his golf course and knowing the fact that he's won so many times at, you know, different levels like in japan in asia and we've seen so many times recently that japan form is so good um yes it would be his first dp world tour win but he's probably won in better fields than, than some of these anyway so to me sean norris at 55 to 1 knowing that he's got a little bit of form at the moment um in patches and likes a golf course i thought it's good value yeah
0: totally totally makes sense uh how deep i think you're 66 is right for your last yeah. one, I, I'm going to talk, too, through it here uh, for me and kind of, I guess, pair them in some ways. Um, if I mentioned McKibben's 54-hole flurry of a finish, there was nobody's that was better, uh, I guess, outside of Baldwin, than Yako uh, Allers. 78 in the opening round, 127. Shoot 64, 68, 68 to climb into a third place podium finish last week. Um, so you look at that and then you're able to look at what he did at this course last year. And last year at this course, he was second after 18 holes. Uh, he, he didn't finish as strong, but someone in there, he was 12th at his last event at the halfway point before we got around, kind of throw it away. Um, An 80 to one for him. I, uh, Again, it's hard. Sunshine Tour actually has driving distance data. He is middle of the pack, but he was playing um all of these uh like international series events, right? Um he was playing, I think he played, I guess, I think four of them. Yeah, 21st, 19th, 56th, 7th miscut T25. So it's six of them. He was a winner in April of 2022. Um, yes, he ended up 16th at this event last year. I just think there's enough again that recent flurry of a finish, plus familiarity, plus I mean some some bigger starts. His form until last week wasn't all that promising, but a little life to Nelson Mandela, and then really strong at the SDC. Leading into here at 80 to one, I am in on, and then a golfer that I really liked last week that just couldn't land on the card uh, for me was Peter Molman. Bowman had come in with ninth, third, twenty-eighth, twenty-fourth, and his uh, or fourteenth. Even to lead into that, he had a win in October, a couple of their top fives um, in September. So he had a strong fall and an early start to the spring here. Um, I believe he was maybe similar to this number, maybe a little bit lighter uh, last week. He might have gotten even to sixty-six, but he opened um, last week, and this was the tough part about looking at a lot of golfers. There was some really bad rounds there was Mm. 80s left and right last week i mean he opened with a 79 he was in 133rd place and the next day he shot 66 so that was the best round of anybody who did not make the cut you know so at least to me happened his last time on the course you know at least coming into something where he also if we pull up the sunshine tour stats is one of the longer guys on the tour. So you have that going for you, you have the forum, you have what he did bouncing back on Friday. I like Mormon at 80 to
1: 1. Yeah, I think I potentially like Mormon over Ailers if I had to pick one of the two, um, just because I think that there's a little bit more consistency there. Obviously when I know we're talking about the the kind of tough opening round and Ayla's was obviously much better in the end. But I think just the the recent kind of Five, six events or whatever, but you can feel like you can trust him. Um, the only reason I haven't gone to one of these guys is just because I felt like I got hurt last week. We're just going to South African heavy, and I don't know whether I should just be avoiding that or whether it's I don't know whether they like they seem like a good number because they've got kind of got that recent form of South Africa, and they're not because of their ability comparative to the rest. But the field's not that strong, is it? So um, yeah, I, I think they're both fine.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally uh, agree with that. Okay, I have three more still time. I'm rolling seven because we get deep into the triple digits. You go. You go. Just,
1: yeah, I'll just say a couple of names. I mean, look, I think we've by this time of the podcast established that I quite like Ross Fisher. Uh, he's sixty to one or sixty-six to one. I I think the belief that I held that he's going to come back and win at some point soon is slowly waning, which means I'm kind of sitting on the fence about him this week, but I do think this is a good golf course for him, as I mentioned. I think the Raz Al link and things like that. Not not the actual course itself, but just the type of scoring I think is going to benefit. Um and he's shown, you know, some decent life as well, hasn't he recently? He, you know, ball striking was was great last week. Um so I, I think for me that's a positive. Do I think that maybe 8th or ninth is potentially his ceiling, yes, which is why I'm a little bit concerned and potentially won't play him. And then the other one I I just kind of looked at, I just think maybe is better Seuss's kind of first-round leader market, Uh, but David Ravetto, who just keeps coming out the blocks fast or having a good second round or whatever, Um, but it just keeps popping up, and I think he was another one that actually played pretty well in South Africa at the start of the year, if I'm not mistaken. So I think both of those are are potentially worth keeping an eye on, even if um, I think their winning upside is a little bit low at the moment. Yeah,
0: 30th and 9th in South Africa to, to start the year. Um, for me, there was, if I'm making one bet, one bet all week long, it's Nick Backham. Nick Baccham is 125 to 1. Um, I would say he is the longest of the bunch or the best driver of the graduating class from the Challenge Tour. Um, and he was finally able to break through with a top 20, his first one um, this past week. And that was after being inside the top five at the Magical Kenya Open halfway point. So, you know, we've talked about Bakum on the show in the past. Um, He won, what was it, three events as an amateur um, on the Pro Golf Tour. Uh, Yeah, I believe it was three. And then kicked on through the the Challenge Tour um, and was able to get his card to come up he's the best driver of the bunch. He hits it a mile. He's starting to round into four when he's triple digits. And, and he's somebody, even though he might have not been, you know, first top 20 finish, he has been inside the top 20 at some point of each of his last four um, events. I mean, again, second at the halfway point in Kenya last week when he finished 23rd at the Indian Open, he was 15th after the first round. 51st in Thailand, where he was 17th after the first round. Like, he is definitely... Been on leaderboard similar to Valamaki, hits in a mile, 125 to 1. I am in there for Bach. And I think that is standalone, my favorite bet of the week.
1: Yeah, I think it's very much the same as what I just said about Ravetto. Like he keeps flashing certain rounds and he has the skill set that you desire, right? I think I was initially put off by his slow start in South Africa's start of year. Like if you remember back to the start of the season, like he did struggle, but. Maybe he was just not informed. He hadn't really got over the kind of break from the challenge tour or whatever. Um, maybe just the the kind of newness of the DP World Tour caught him out, right? Whereas now he seems to have settled to your point. First top 20 last week. Can he now go, right, Well, I, I belong here now. Because the top 20 finish is still pretty, I don't want to say momentous, right? But it's still a big deal when you're in your first season or, or first for a while. So I think that we shouldn't, underplay his top 20 last week and we shouldn't underplay his core suitability like he fits perfectly to what we project is going to be the kind of style of play so i agree with back him. i actually think it's worth going to backham over the, the two guys previously and certainly over people like uh, Ravetto and uh, Fisher that i kind of flagged there.
0: yeah i um i do remember we profiled him for the year and then didn't bet him in the first South Africa event and he was second uh, in that first round to Bradbury. Uh, yeah. I was like, oh gosh, here we go. You know, start of the season, guy that we were high on, didn't bet on first event, you know, is going to win um, and just kind of fall off until, I love the signs, last week. Alright, two long shots as we close ourselves out here. First one, Ruin Corb. Um, so Ruin Corb um, is if you look at, again, this is kind of a Sunshine-only kind of player, 29, I guess, Challenge Tour, 29 years old for Ruin Corb. Last time out, uh, 47th at the STC. Prior to that, he was 8th on the Sunshine Tour, miscut, and then a T10. So comes into that, and then if you look at his Sunshine Tour, because he played the first four events in the DP World Tour, miscut, 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 66. He had closed his year 8th, 12th, 6th in a victory, um, in October so a strong fall for him um, to his name and his career he does have two professional wins um, both of them being here in South Africa on the Sunshine Tour um, and he, he does hit it a mile if you looked up those stats he is ninth on the Sunshine Tour in distance uh, and then last week if you looked at that forum for Ruin Corb uh, he was uh, so it was 47th but he was 16th after the first round, he was 19th after 54 holes. So I think you can even go out to a top 20 with somebody like Ruin Corb here, um, who showed some life last week and has shown that incoming form um, on the Sunshine Tour. That's one for me. That's 250 to one. And then the last one is Joshua Lee. Joshua Lee was a Q School grad, um, 500 to one for Joshua Lee. And he really, uh, he's an American golfer. Um, and didn't really get on my radar actually till we mentioned Ben Coley earlier in the show, but Coley tipped him at a thousand to one in South Africa um and mentioned kind of his driving, mentioned that he played well as best event, and it was his first made cut was uh here in South Africa It was a harder test that's the only worry i mean not the only worry he's five hundred to one, but you know one of the things that makes me at least think about it right is you know, it was a top 20, He was 17th at the Alfred Dunhill championship. Outside of that, he has not finished inside the top 40 anywhere else, but you can see big hitter as an amateur. He had a good kind of um, like prowess from his driver standpoint. Um, He cut his teeth in Latin America for a long time before he made his way over here. Wasn't a bad amateur overall. Um, And he really showed out Uh, off the t plus t to green and and again statistics are getting a little it's it's frustrating because the game of golf is progressing so much but we're falling so far behind on the dp World tour i don't even know if we can trust these caddies number john catlin looks like i'm sorry to accuse you but looks like you're on steroids the last two weeks because he's top 10 in driving distance when the guy was never sniffing that so it's really frustrating as we've or losing shot shot link at courses right these stats are, are caddy generated so it's been tough but from what we know of josh lee he can bomb it has showed some success in south africa and his last time out popped really strong in two rounds t to green specifically 500 to one you get that out to a top 20 um, i like that a lot
1: yeah absolutely and i think to your point about the stats that's why i'm kind of over the last few weeks lent towards ball striking just because you can't I mean, unless they're outright lying, you can't get whether they hit a fairway or a green wrong, right? So if I know they're hitting greens and regulation percentage and fairway percentage, I know they're hitting it accurately. Um, and the driving distance is obviously a plus. So I imagine uh, some of them may be converting meters and yardages wrong and, th- and yards wrong and things like that. But, um, you know, yeah, it, it is frustrating on that note. And and that's probably why I'm finding it a little bit difficult at the moment uh, in terms of DP World Source selections. But um don't know what my excuse is on the PGA Tour. But, um, yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think that the couple of people that you flagged there uh, certainly in a field like this, I mean, I know we didn't have, I think we had one, per- one South African in the top eight last week, but um, I-, I certainly think that there's opportunity to do it. And just because I'm abandoning the ship in terms of people that play well on the Sunshine Tour doesn't mean uh, others should. So um, interesting to see how the week unfolds. Yeah,
0: absolutely. No, very excited. I'll probably end up being first round leader on some of those guys too that we have seen, because to your point, like a Roberto and these types, a lot of them have been 18 holes, maybe even nine holes where they pop up and they can't, can't carry it over on the back nine. But I still believe there's so much, I guess, fluidness between the tours at this At this, when we have the field strengths of it is. Um, I, I love these weeks. It's 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 tough without shot because that's how I love to sweat. Um, I'm assuming yeah. we don't have it this week since we didn't last week. Um, but uh, that's just my favorite way of sweating golf. I know it might hmm. be weird to some, but... I love to trace it. Uh, But with all else aside, it's a big betting opportunity. We didn't have it for Bradbury in the fall. We were on these guys, right? I think we definitely can take advantage of opportunities. And, I mean, there's long shots out there. You know, our, our best loss for words. We'll go into a little bit deeper with Bradley Todd on it, too, and Jason. I mean, there's always ample opportunity on this tour.
1: Yeah, and I think I think for me, one of the things that's maybe being underplayed that obviously you've flagged up at the start of the show is that this is the the last event for a while on DP World Tour. It's the last event in South Africa. Um, is it until the end of the season, maybe? is the last event in South Africa. I think you've got Ned Bank right at the end of the season, but it's the last South African event for a very long time. It's the last event full stop for a, a month. So these players... I don't think that can be underestimated. Like the Tom McKibbins of this world and the Pavons and that, that, that are in good form. Sami Valimaki, this is their last opportunity to show out for a little while. That maybe that just gives me the extra sense of like, okay, they've kind of poodled along in Asia and things like that. First South African event hasn't gone their way. Now they need to hit the form. Now they need to get a win. Um, and I certainly think of all the people that we've kind of spoken about um, at the start of the season and people that we've flagged as ones to watch. Tom McKibbin for me is a person I wouldn't want to miss out on. So I'm glad that we both aligned on him this week. Um, and hopefully he gets that win.
0: Absolutely. All right, let's run through it one more time. Tom, close out here. Betting card, top to
1: bottom. Yeah, so I've got Matthew Pavon at 40 to 1, uh, Tom McKibben at 45 to 1, Sean Norris at 55 to 1. And I think that's probably it for me. I think Fisher is, um, you know, just not going to like winning upside, I don't think, at the moment. Famous last words.
0: Well, don't worry, uh, you only have three. I have seven. So perfect.
1: <laughs> um, Sammy
0: Valamaki, 40 to one. Tom McKibben, 45 to one. Yakko Allers, 80 to one. Peter Bowman, 80 to one. Nick Bakum, 125. Ruben Korb, 250 to one. Joshua Lee, 500 to one. And I really think those bottom three, you're going to see them with T10s, T20s, um, probably on the last two. And then first round leaders. Bakum comes out quick. We have seen that. And I think when I'm on these type of guys, I love to do first round leaders too. And we don't have, like you said, another month till we bet on any of the events. So we can just add a couple extra uh, on top yeah. of the guys that we already like.
1: I would say if, if anyone that I've mentioned, Revetto, I think I like for a first round he just seems to have those low yeah. rounds. So, so put him in.
0: Perfect. Awesome. Well, again, thank you all for the support. We'll miss you over the next week. Uh, Good luck at the match play, my favorite event on the PGA Tour all year long. Good luck at the Masters. Uh, Please reach out if you have questions on DP World Tour or international players. Happy to answer there, but looking forward uh, to a a strong finishing week before a little break here in South Africa. Thank you, Tom, Uh, as always, my friend.
1: Thank you very Guy, and, uh, and good luck to everybody. All right, take care, guys.